Hello and welcome to episode 295 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Project Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the Glorious League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going, mate? Hi, Andrew. I am pretty good. How are you? Yep, I'm ugly good. Ugly good? Yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to sit there and brag about my looks. <laughs> <laughs> we should tell our wonderful listeners we're yes. opening our portfolio. We are, we are. We're branching out. Yes. Yep, we've... um. We've we've done personal grooming. Yep. And we haven't stopped personal grooming. But, no, no. But we're also, we just want to make people know that we don't want to be typecast and pigeonholed just into that area. We're capable of doing so much more. Yeah. So if you have a business that you would like us to both do live reads for every single episode, at the start of the episode, at the end of the episode, get in contact with us. You just uh, message us at podcast at leaguefreak.com and have a chat with us and you could have your name plastered all over the internet just like we did with manscaped and you Absolutely. saw what manscaped manscaped got so much out of advertising on our podcast so they actually up- had i was gonna say they had so many sales that mm-hmm. they can now afford to buy a bitcoin yeah like a whole one a whole bitcoin yeah that reminds me i need to see what the price is but <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, so if you're out there and you're like, oh man, I wouldn't mind having these two, you know, doing ads for me. And we don't just do ads like we're doing for Manscaped. We'll do whatever ads you want. We'll read from a script if you need. We'll, you know, we'll tell people about your product. So just get in touch with us if you want to get a little bit of exposure for your business and we'll work something out. Yeah, big or small, we'll have mm. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of big, it's been a big week for rugby league news already. It has. And the biggest bit of news of all is that uh, the Sharks have gone and ditched John Morris. Effective immediately, too. Yeah. Um, so the decision came through yesterday um, that they'd signed Craig Fitzgibbon, who's currently an assistant coach at the Roosters. Um, they've got him on for three years starting next year. And John Morris, upon I dare say, upon from being told the news... I assume what's happened is he's just gone, well, not much point me hanging around, so I'm leaving. Yeah, um, and I think fair enough. Yeah, well, I think that's the right decision for him. Yeah. Is, um, you know, you want, the, you know, the players need to be playing for someone they know that's going to be there. It's going to be hard to get up and get excited about playing for a coach who's not going to be there, at, mm-hmm. you know, this early in the season. And not only that, like, so what's more, so Morris who got led along by the club, and they handled it really poorly. For a dude that stepped in when they were desperate and mm. has done a really, really good job considering all of the crap he had to take over from. And so he's supposed to set the team up for the next guy who took his job. And have if the, the team tanks because they know that there's going to be changes and things like that, you know, he's got to have those losses on his record. As it stands, he leaves the club with his head held high. Um, he's had two seasons, two years where they've made the finals. And, you know, I think he'll be sought after as a coach. I think that, you know, he didn't damage his his legacy going forward, and, and that's really important. But I think that, uh, you know, the Sharks, I mean, you, you've got to wonder what they're doing, what they're thinking. I, I don't understand having a known quantity at club 
and thinking that an unknown quantity is better when you're making the finals with the team that Morris has had to work with, which hasn't been ideal. Well, this is the thing that's impressive for me about Morris is the fact that there's so many positive things he's been able to do in his, you know, in his first ever head coaching job. The first thing is he had to perform pretty much, you know, a semi rebuild of that club from the minute he got in there because he had so many players that were on their way out because they were retiring mm-hmm. or too old or contracts had ended. Um, so he had to manage a massively changing roster and. He also did that by bringing through a bunch of young players from the lo- from the lower grades and bringing them in because he was also um, operating on a on a lower salary cap due to the the cap issues that the Sharks had had in previous seasons that came through as a penalty on the actual salary cap for the years that John Morris was there. So he was operating on a lower salary cap than everybody else and still made the finals in t- both years and brought yeah. through a bunch of great young talent. Um, and he got. And this is the thing that's disappointing, I guess, for him more than anything, is the fact that Sharks have got around a dozen players off contract this year. So this is going to be the time when he could have been able to shuffle, you know, shake up the entire roster that he's got there, and have a ton of cash at his disposal on which to buy. He could, you know, whatever players he wanted to build the team he wanted, and finally have the team he he wanted that was truly his to move forward with. And that's been taken away. I understand the timing because if you're going to hire a new coach, that's a good arrangement to walk into is that you're essentially giving your new coach a complete clean slate. So the timing is correct um, to get a new coach. And I can, I can see that, but um, I think Morris had done more than enough to earn that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And especially when you think of like, he's had to deal with things like, as you say, the lower salary cap, and then he had one of the Morris brothers just walk out on the club after a couple of weeks. Then he had another centre who got banned for four years for performance-enhancing drug use. And then he had Fafida who was carrying a leg and just wasn't himself for a whole season. Then he, he you know, he's got Matt Moylan who's a part-time footballer. He's got Johnson who wasn't kicking goals, and then did his ACL. Like they, it's not like he hasn't had things that. He's had to coach around, and he he has coached around them, and he's coached around them very very well. And I I just think that it's crazy that the that the club looked at the job he did and said no, that's not good enough, because you know it's it's the Sharks that it's not like it's one of the great winning clubs in rugby league, and you know with the side he had, he was doing a very very good job. We had him as Probably, I mean, if you and me probably could have had him as back-to-back coach of the year and not really thought about it too much, um, it, it's incredible. I, I just don't understand why a club would do that, but it's probably the second weirdest decision outside of when uh, Anthony Griffin got sacked by the Panthers when they're in fourth place. Yeah, that was that's still mind-numbingly stupid what happened there. Yeah. Is it, um, you know, both occasions are just going to cause an awful lot of um, drama within the club that was completely unnecessary. It could have just waited mm-hmm. till the off-season or just the end of the season, you know. I, I don't know why they did things the way they did. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, so the the one thing for me about it all, though, because a lot of 
a lot of fans are upset because Morris is being, you know, arsehole, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I think that's, and the only real thing that's really unprofessional about it is the fact that all the players were told about it via text message. Apparently. Yeah, I, like... I would have thought that a situation like this, yeah. they would have at least called the, the entire player group in and just said, look, this is what's happened, and told them all face-to-face. That seems like the professional thing to do. But to get a, a pretty basic text message of, you know, <laughs> Morris is no longer coach, training still on Thursday, that just seems a bit amateur. It does a little bit, but I I also see the point of, like, Say you've got players that are all across the Sydney region. Some of them probably live down in Wollongong as well. Um, dragging them all in to tell them face-to-face, thats it's going to put some of them out. Well, they could have um, a Zoom meeting. Yeah, it could have a Zoom meeting. I guess I guess the other thing is, too, it's, it's probably the easiest way to do a clean cut. I know it's not. it doesn't feel professional, and ideally you would want the announcement to be made at their training session when they're all there. But if it's made at the wrong time of day and you need to tell all of the players immediately, you know, the best way to do it is going to be through a text message. Like you think of the time it takes to call 30 players and that's just a first grade squad, you know? So I, I understand that it all happening with a text message it doesn't. It doesn't feel right. It really doesn't feel right. But so I don't know why they couldn't have just kept the decision away for another day or two. Mm-hmm. So they could have just done it when the players were there. Why did they have to do it immediately? It's a good. It's a good question. I. It feels like the media pressured them a little bit, and I'm sure Morris did as well. I'm sure Morris was like, "Listen, I need a an answer by this time." Apparently, it was the playing squad that said, "Look, we want to know what's going on with the coach." Yeah. Morris was apparently just going, eh, who gives a shit? I've got a job to do. I'm just going to do my job. And he was completely disinterested in the whole drama. But, um, yeah, it's a, I don't know. It just seems a really weird way of doing things. And I think that's probably what's got a lot of fans um, upset, I guess, is how yeah. that's going to be out. But, um yeah. Now we look at the fact that they they do have a new coach in Craig Fitzgibbon. He's been at the Roosters for quite a while under um, Robinson. Got a fair few raps. I was just thinking the last coach that came from that stock yeah. was Adam O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Um, what Jason, t- Jason Taylor has also been part of that system on and off. Yeah. And that's the thing is that some of these blokes are very good assistant coaches. And that's that, that's where it ends. Like John Carwright was another one. Very, yeah, very good assistant coach. Exactly. And that's why I don't understand why if you've got a dude that is getting the job done in first grade and you know that, why do you go for an unknown entity? Look, we're seeing it with Trent Barrett. It, now I think it's fair to say there's now two teams that have fallen into that hole of like, you know, he's the chosen one for no apparent reason. Just, you, you can't just say, oh, yeah, he's going to be a good first grade coach. Like, nobody knows. I don't care who the hell you are. Wayne Bennett doesn't know. 
You know, Craig Bellamy doesn't know who's going to be a good coach. You only know once they've been coaching first grade for a bit and you see how they handle it, how they react to losing players, how they react to, you know, contract situations and stuff like that. And then you find out who the, are the good first grade coaches and who aren't. And we've seen time and time again, these anointed, you know, lower grades and assistant coaches, they come up with lots of fanfare and stuff. And most of them, the vast majority of them are really bad failures. Yeah, really bad. Trent Barrett's, yeah, he's got a very, very poor record and it doesn't, it's got no signs of getting better anytime soon. And I don't know why the Bulldogs, the situation they're in, would go for a known entity such as Trent Barrett and he's known as being not very good. Yeah, and leaves his previous club not only poor off for it, but lots of drama. It's, you know, I don't understand how some of these clubs, how they talk themselves into moves that leave you scratching your head a little bit. And I really don't understand it at all. No, it's got me beat. I, I don't know. But that's that's the big the big drama, I dare say, that's going on in rugby league at the moment. Um, how do you think the Sharks are going to perform from here on in? Because this is yeah. the interesting concept they're in at the moment. Is it would be understandable given that Morris is very good friends with most of these players, so they all play, got on very well together. Um, so that would usually be with him being ousted in such a unceremonious way. That would be enough, I dare say, for a lot of players to drop their head and go, "Oh, well, fuck this club!" And a little bit of rebellious comes in, and they stop trying as much because he's not there to help them along. But at the same time, with close to a dozen of them off contract, mm. they're playing for their careers. They can't afford to play like shit. Yeah. And I- it's going to be interesting to find out. I wouldn't be shocked if if Craig Fitzgibbon starts making moves on the roster this year. So I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a couple of players either move to other clubs or move to Super League this season. Um, but it, it, I don't know. I mean, how did they react? Like, if he's a well-liked coach and, you know, I think he, he got them playing better than they really should have been. You know, how are they going to react to being taken over? I guess the assistant coach has taken over for now. Um, but you never know. Like, I, I I feel like they will play a little bit worse this season with Morris gone. Um, I, they're, they're obviously not going to play better with him gone. Um, so it'll be interesting. Imagine if they miss the finals, like, pretty badly now that Morris is gone. Yeah, it'll make... Fitzgibbon's job is just a little bit harder to lure um, new talent to the club. Yeah. If they've gone from being a finalist for, you know, majority of the last, you know, seven or eight years, to be honest, mm-hmm. to missing the finals and having a bunch of players off contract and departing. And, I mean, they could be looking at a huge amount of churn at that club this year. And some of those very talented youngsters could be the ones to leave, which is very... That's the worst part about it. Yeah. They're the ones you can usually fall back on and go, right, we've built this small core of of young talent up, and that's what we're going to use to move forward with. But they could be the ones that they lose first. Well, they they play the Knights this weekend, and 
that's going to be an interesting gauge because the Knights are not in a good place right now and their coach is under the pump. And so it, it's going to be, you know, if they lost that game, it'd be pretty bad. I, I think I'm going to tip the Sharks for that one still. But, um, yeah, it's we'll find out. That's the beauty of them playing games, hey? That's exactly right. Um, the other news was um, Josh McGuire has been given a he's been released by the Cowboys and he's immediately picked up a gig with the Dragons uh, and it's effective immediate because he's listed in the extended bench for the Dragons this weekend. Yeah, and like this move has been on the cards for ages now, like months and months and months. Um, I don't see him anything more than just bolstering their forward depth and that's about it. Uh, and I, I would suggest he's only, a, you know, a short-term signing, really. But, you know, he he adds to that pack's depth, and that's a good thing for the Dragons. They've, they played so well against Parramatta. I loved that game and that performance they put on. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, Anthony Griffin, man, that, that job he's doing there at the Dragons is pretty amazing. Do we give, do we give Griffin all the credit for that? Well... We give him we give him forty nine percent of the credit, and the rest goes to what do we call him? The demolition man. The demolition man. The demolition man. Ah, <laughs> oh, that would be fascinating. Um, <laughs> I just look at that coaching box every afternoon. Yeah, whenever the dragons are playing, look at it and go, "How the fuck does that make a winning winning team?" Yeah, when when I look at their coaching box, and it's not so much about Griffin, but when I look at the coaching box, I, I just want to fill it with cement. <laughs> I don't know why. I just want to fill it with cement. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's a there's another one here. There was um, remember a few weeks ago there was talk of Andrew Fafita being approached by the Dragons. Yeah. Um, with their, their um, coach being changed around, there's now talk that uh, if he can't get a gig with the Sharks for next year, he may link up with his brother over at Wakefield. Oh, man, I hope he doesn't do that. Wakefield's a fucking dump. <laughs> there you go. Well, another thing that's crazy already about this, um, about what's going on with the Sharks have you heard who one of their recruitment targets are? No. Will fucking Chambers. Really? Yeah. How old is he? He's got to be, what, 30, 32, 33? 32 going on 33. Yeah. And his last two and a half, maybe even three seasons at the Storm, were oh, dire. Dumb. Yeah. He was He was one of those players that was like, oh, yeah, it's done. Remember his last, because his last season he went from like, Okay, we'll see how he goes. And then mid-season, it was like, ooh, I think this is the last season. And then the rest of the season was like, holy shit, yeah. he's a fucking disaster for them now. Yeah, he just went to Darius Boyd level. Yeah, what's he been doing? Well, he, he signed, a, signed a gig with uh, Jap Japan Rugby. Yeah. But because of the COVID drama that happened last year, he didn't get to play. And I yeah. think... The Storm took him back on a minimum contract, and he never played a game for him. That makes sense. Um, I don't know whether he's still in their books or not, but apparently, yeah, apparently the Sharks are looking at him as a target. I think that's woeful. 
That's Cronulla. Terrible. Yeah. Don't don't do. I'll tell you what. I don't mean this with all sincerity. If you want a centre that's better than Will Chambers, just sign Moses and buy. Yeah, I would have Moses and buy a million times over. Uh, at least he can move side to side. Yeah. <laughs> His legs still work. Wow, that's incredible. I hope they get Will Chambers. It'll be good for the Sharks. Oh. Maybe they can give him... Um, I, the other thing that's, that's interesting about that too is there is a rivalry, a yeah. much pronounced one between the Sharks and the Storm now. And... Will Chambers did not get on very well at all with the Sharks. Yeah. He had a very, very lengthy clash with Paul Gallon. They would they would clash every time for, for a number of years there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you need something like that at the club. I don't think the fans are going to accept him. I don't think it's a I don't think that's someone they should be looking at in any capacity whatsoever. It's just a horrible mix. Yeah, like they'd be better off getting Josh Hannay back off the coaching roster and get him played centre than getting bloody Will Will Chambers back. My God, reckon, what a horrible concept! I reckon Josh Hannay'd go all right still. Um, he would yeah, it's, he wouldn't be any worse. No, no, very few could be. That's a that is a weird one. Hopefully they get him though. I I, I I'm hoping that that one turns out. We'll see. We'll see. Um. James Tamo was in the uh, the media today. Yeah. And he's demanded that the Tigers return to their standards. Whoa, that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> yeah, because I would have thought we wanted to improve, not keep doing what they've already been doing. Because the standards had been conceding 20 or plus more, in 20 or more points a game, mm. which they continued doing in spades last weekend. It's uh, it was weird how he was kept on the sideline, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that might have been more about um, Maguire getting the young blokes to try and pull their socks up a bit and not let Tamo come on and carry him a little. Yeah, I felt that way too. I felt like it was less about him and more yeah. about the situation. Yeah, like we we're getting done here by a team we should have beaten comfortably. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair on Tamo to be out there and be amongst this team that's getting dicked. And I suppose it was kind of a way of shielding him, I guess, from, from the um, from the blame a little, perhaps. Yeah, he, he kept on warming up. That was the interesting thing for me. Like, it wasn't like you would think in that situation you would message down as a coach and, and even maybe get in the blower to Tamo and say, look, you know, you're a senior player. I'm sa- I want to save your legs and teach this lot a lesson. Because Tamo is a he's a senior enough player that you think he would understand that message. Mm. But he he was lining he was warming up the whole time and uh, which I found was interesting. But well, I think that that shows how much of a leader he is. Yeah, he saw that his team needed needed leadership out there. They needed guidance, needed guidance, and he wanted to get there and deliver that. Yeah. Um. They just saying, no. Nah. They need to eat this loss. They needed to chew on that shit sandwich that they made for themselves. Exactly right. Um, so, yeah, that, that was an interesting one. Um, what's this one here? Can, oh, we, talk that... a bit? Can we yeah. talk about big news of the day? I think we should. I thought I'd get rid of the uh, the small news first. Okay, is there any other small news first? That's it. It's all done. Okay. 
So what's the big news? Let's get some big news. Okay. You can break it. You can break it. The Penrith Panthers are arrogant. How dare they? How fucking dare they? Ah, oh, despicable. Terrible, terrible. Lots of niggle. You know what? You know what? Hateful little shit. Yes. Like yeah. winning games? Winning games. The fucking nerve to go out there and win games and and yeah. to constantly constantly achieve success. I, the I went, of them. Look, I was a I was a guest of the lovely Nadine. Mm. Uh, I was sat there in a big crowd. These people had the gall to cheer when Penrith That's, did something good. I, I need to know, man. Do you, have you handed in your membership? Well, I don't have a membership. So you did? Yeah, I guess I did, like three <laughs> years ago. I handed it in. That, I was preempting this. Pre-empting I didn't want to be a part of the, the movement towards us being an arrogant club. Cocky. Narcissistic. How, how dare a bunch of successful young players be cocky? How dare these undefeated young players in the, the least experienced NRL squad last weekend, how dare they enjoy success? Yeah. Oh, I don't get it, mate. You've got to wonder at, at these people and where things have gone wrong. Yeah, right. This probably all goes back to that TikTok video, doesn't it? I think so. I think that's where the rot really showed. That's where it's set in, you know. Mm. Anytime you can do a TikTok video and have fun, like, what is this? This is rugby league. This isn't fun. Yeah. You're supposed to be all robots, so then we can all bitch about you being emotionless um, robots. Yeah. I don't look, I don't like it anytime I see players smiling. No. I just think that it's off putting. Yeah, it's weird. See, mm. what we need is amicable, amicable robots. Yes. That's what we need our players to be. They should be all robotic, but have one dad joke that they fall back on every time that's completely safe. And it's enough to almost break out a smile on you when you first hear it. That's all they need. Yeah. That's it. They're one quip, and that's it. Like, yeah. bar- like uh, barbecuing alone. That never got old. Classic. <laughs> Not even once. Classic. <laughs> See, Maloney's fault though was he um he kept looking for more comedy. Ah, it's just not on. Yeah. 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 You don't want to be funnier than, than Matty Johns. No, no, you need to be not, not, the, not that that's You ever know. heard about squeezing the juice out of the lemon? Yeah, yeah. Well you need to squeeze that lemon until there's no juice coming out, but just keep squeezing for 10 or 12 more years. Yeah. Many Jones just squeeze it so much, there's actually no lemon. Yeah, it just gets, yeah, he opens his hand and it's just like a diamond. Yeah, it's just not there. Um, uh, it's, it's been weird. It's been a very, very weird... I like the fact that there's nothing, nothing at all mm. for the media people to talk about mm-hmm. other than the fact that the Panthers are playing and behaving confidently like a bunch of winners that they are. Yeah. Like, that's 
that's the big news. They can't sit there and, and well, not say can't. They refuse to sit there and look at the absurd changes made to the rules and how they're impacting players. We've now had two test players retire from two different clubs over the last two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. No one, none of them want to look at. I wonder if the rules of you know the rule changes over the last two years have had anything to play in that. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying there could be some correlation there. There's been a lot of rule changes in the last two years. It's sped up the game. We're, we're starting to see a lot more injuries because of it. Maybe there's a correlation between all these head knocks and these injuries and these guys being forced to retire because of them. That'd be good to interview. And, you know, they've, they've got access to a lot of different people. It'd be good for them to actually do some thorough journalism and look into that and actually do their fucking job instead of this bitching and moaning about oh, Panthers players are cocky, I don't like it. Yeah. Fucking and spare me. It's, it's the weirdest shit. And I saw some other people, some other journalists who were saying that they interview the Panthers players and they're always really nice and friendly and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, you could even talk about what makes the Panthers so good at the moment. You know, they're, they're, they're the best defensive team I've ever seen in my life. The way they play defense is crazy. And they've got so much depth. They're junior, like we've gone on about their junior development, all that sort of stuff. Instead of talking about that, it's like, ooh, they're fucking cocky. And listen, if it's about, it, it's not surprising it come up against the Canberra Raiders because let's face it, if there's one thing the Raiders love more than anything in the world, it's a plucky loser. They love to be able to say, you know what? We're not good enough, but it's our boys. You know, our, oh, they just didn't get the rub of the green. They just, oh, things just didn't go their way. Not like the center cannot fucking tackle anyone and the halfback is not a halfback and that the hooker is so bad at the moment that when the, they chuck on the reserve hooker, it's like terrifying to watch. It was horrible. As soon as Hodgson went off the field, I was like, oh, man. Because it's just a complete night and day in terms of how dangerous they are. None of that. You know, Ricky Stewart probably pissed and moaned. And I know the, the turnstile of a center they had was upset because the Penrith Panthers took the Viking clap and kept it. It's ours. It's officially ours. And you know what? If anyone doesn't like it, they can fuck off. Panthers fans don't care. We're in that stadium. We're having fun. We're loving it. We're enjoying life. We're on top of the ladder. No one's with us on top of the ladder. It's just us. We're on the top and we're looking down at everyone else and we take pity because we will beat the next team and the next team and the next team because none of your teams are as good as us. So if you think we're cocky, good. You just get on your knees Take a good hard suck of it and keep <laughs> sucking because we're number one. And if you don't like it, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> they, um, a great line, I think, from an old Twelfth Man album is um, "Don't get bitter, get better." Exactly. That's all it is. Um, and while we're just on that, um, this is not really related to Penrith, but I. 
I was flicking through the channels uh, yesterday. I think it was when the, when this story came out. Mm-hmm. I was just flicking through because, you know, daughter had the TV on. She's watching cartoons. I'm flicking through trying to find something to watch. And then I stopped to grab something on my phone. Just by chance, it stops on NRL 360. I thought there might have been a footy replay on. Yeah. And all I hear is Ford boring old whinging pricks just yelling at one another. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is this going on about? <laughs> And after about two minutes of them talking over one another and yelling and screaming and everything else, they'll carry on like fucking pork chops. Then it'll simmer down and they reveal what they're talking about. And it was the whole Panthers thing. I went, really? Like, all that, that does it, that does that? Like, seriously? What? How come, how come Panthers players being cocky is news? But a bunch of sixty-year-old morons who who uh, you know claim to be journalists yelling at one another on a TV network isn't as big a story. I mean, I'm surprised it's not even on the bloody Fox Sports website because they only seem to write articles about what their own staff are doing. You know, these are people that should be sitting in the corner of a nursing home somewhere. Oh. You know, pissing into their depends as somebody <laughs> comes over and makes sure they've got biscuits to go with their tea. That's that's the second time I've been stuck with NRL 360 for about a you know almost a minute this year, and on both occasions I'm looking at it going, "What the fuck's happened to this show?" Yes, yeah. it's, it's a it's an absolute mess. Well, Just, remember they remember they used to have that show, the back page. Yeah, and there and that was pretty good to watch. And then they are. Uh, they they slowly started changing it, and it turned. I don't even know if they have it anymore. I don't. I got no idea, but it became completely irrelevant. It was hosted by that guy that laughs at his own jokes, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's weird because uh, you know that you would think that they would be moving away from that sort of you know old fart coverage in this day and age. They've got some really good people around there. I'd be interested to hear what. Uh, Jake Duke has to say, you know, he, he seems pretty switched on. Um, they've well, got all I can say is I'm glad, that, I'm glad that they've kept the good people that they've got in the uh, rugby league world, in the you know, Fox Sports, in the commentary teams and stuff like that, and presenters. I'm glad they keep them away from that thing because it's a steaming pile of dog shit. Yeah. And they really should be is. tarnished with it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, but, man, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> Why are they so arrogant? <laughs> yeah, the show, the the commentators are oh, well, not the, the the mainstream media guys are allowed to be arrogant, but the players aren't. How does that work? You know, the other thing is too, and we talked a little bit about this. We talked about this like just before the podcast and the other night, but we didn't record about it. Like people being miserable because one team is better than another, or you know, the, you know, there's one team that's winning on a lot of stuff, and I don't get it. Because when I've seen the Melbourne Storm kick an ass, I have loved watching them play. It's like, this is the best rugby league you can watch right now. What would you not like about seeing it? You know, and if your team isn't as good, they need to improve. That's what it comes down to. And I've been lucky enough that my team has improved, and I'm still not willing to say they're better than the Storm because the Storm have the trophy. And, you know, until you win the trophy, it's it's just nice. It's not amazing. But I, I don't understand this whole thing of, like, you just have to hate the best club just for, you know, because. I don't get that. 
it's it's a very weird form of parochialism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rugby league's got it in reverse. Instead of being parochial about your own club, you're parochial about hating the best club. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. And, and like, I, I don't know if I said it in the last episode, when uh, I, I'm at this football game with Nadine and her daughter and we're all cheering on the Panthers and, you know, early in the first half, wasn't going that great. But then they turned it around and, and man, they really turned it around. They dominated the, the Raiders by the end of the match. And we're having all this fun at the game and everyone's just excited and cheering on. And at one point, Nadine turns to me and she goes, man, you should see what people are saying on Twitter. And I'm like, what? You know, are they loving it? She's like, they're all miserable. They're all upset. And I was like, it was this big contrast between like, everyone's happy here. And on Twitter, everyone was just fucking miserable. And it was just really strange. It really stuck with me. It stuck in my soul, you know, (laughs) because it was such a great night. And, I think the thing that people don't realise about Panthers fans is that they're just happy to be there at the moment. Like, if somebody said to Panthers fans, you're going to go undefeated for the rest of the season, but you're going to lose the grand final again, would you take that? I think Panthers fans would say, can I have a think about it? Like, we all want to win the grand final. But I think we're also just really just happy to have a team that is really good. Because it hasn't happened that many times in the Panthers' whole history. so And, I mean, getting to a grand final is a pretty good achievement on its own. Yeah, it's not bad. And in the last 20 years or so, it's been pretty hard for a lot of teams to do because we've had the Roosters and and Melbourne dominating that for much of the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So when you've got two teams who are basically always there, you've basically got 14 teams competing for the other spot. Yeah. It's and, good to it's good to be one of those teams in contention at last. Yeah, and like the Panthers did it with one set of books. They didn't have an equine doctor in the background. None of that stuff. So it's you know Well Well, that we know of so far. Hey. Hey. It took took a while few few years for the stuff of the sharks to come out and for the stuff of the storm to come out. So give it time. Give I was time. not naming names, Andrew Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, Andrew RLP? <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It did take a few years. But um, look, and Panthers fans are just having fun. And I think that's the weird thing is that um, other supporter bases, you could probably fire them up with saying different things. I, I, I just don't see how you're going to upset Panthers fans right now. They're just, ha- we're just happy, you know? And, uh, we don't need other people to be happy for us. Like oh. we know that's not going to happen. But geez, the fucking you know, you don't also had don't have to be bitchy about it. Fuck. Oh, at the end of the day, we we all know that you Panthers fans still regret the day that you sacked Justin Pascoe. I mean, I know you didn't sack him, but you, know, yeah. you rue the day that he left. I mean, I know you let him leave, but I'm sure that there's. Some okay, maybe I need a different example. Back in um, back when he was the CEO, I bet we didn't have to worry about overcrowding on the hill. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe that's what his complaint was. I didn't, I didn't let COVID get into Penrith. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything was above board when I was there. <laughs> Seriously, I had such a good time. It was, 
it was amazing. It's really weird. I've been the two fo- two last two football games have been two have been really special events, and I've been uh, invited to both of them by Nadine. So thank you so much, Nadine. We actually saw a celebrity in the crowd. Um, I won't say who it was because we're not, you know, we're not like that. But we did see a celebrity. I didn't see them at first, but Nadine pointed them out and she said who it was, and I was like, who is it? And then she described them in a very descriptive way. And I knew exactly who she was talking about. It was Matt um, Nabel, so wasn't that, it? Hey? It was Matt Nabel, wasn't it? No, it wasn't Matt Nabel. He's just looking at, he, he was just wandering around the, the, the sideline and looking at the 20,000 people and just pointing to every single one of them going, and how about this bloke? And how about, how about this, this bloke? bloke? And he just did that for, for two hours. I want to get Matt Nabel on the podcast. I wonder, just, if, I wonder if Darcy McDonald could, could get us in touch with Matt Nabel. They both work, work at Fox Sports. It's worth a crack. I hope he's got a good sense of humour. Give him a pick on him a few times. I, I have picked on him. No, we didn't pick on him. We just ripped on him a little bit. It's fine. We just, just talk about the He gets handed a tarot. Can you imagine every time he gets that script, they get him in there. He's like, all right, what have we got this week? Have a look at this book. Again, really? You do realise I've got a vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it, it, it's better than a 1940s Aussie bloke. Like, what I have to talk like a bloke all the time for? Yeah. I'm an actor for fuck's sake. Yeah. A, a globally recognised actor. Seriously, he was really good in the movie that I watched him in. Really, really good. Yeah. I, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. He hasn't... You know what? Until he's in Die Hard, yeah. he's nobody. Seriously, like, <laughs> this movie he's in, it's a... Uh, is it Pitch Black? I think it's just called Pitch Black. Oh, no, it's called Riddick. It's just called Riddick. Die Hard Riddick. Riddick. And uh, it, it, you're like, at, when you see him at first, he, uh, you're like, that's Matt Nabel. But he's so good in it. That Matt Nabel thing disappears, and he's the person that he ends up being. Who I, I won't say who he ends up being, because there's a bit of a spoiler part in there. But, yeah, it's... Uh, I will, really... I will watch it mm. if only, if only he starts by looking at Riddick and saying, have and how about this bloke? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say something else. He's a fucking, fucking badass in it as well. Hi. Hey? Oh, he's, he's a good actor. I've seen him in a few things, like Australian production, stuff like that. He's a bloody good actor. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And here we are getting him reciting, you know, we need you to be an Aussie buffy bloke, mate. We need you to say bloke as many times as you can. What's it like when you're a bloke that gets up as a bloke and you go, have a look at this guy when you look in the mirror and you drink a VB? Yeah. I need to bloke like every bloke blokes. Let's <laughs> bloke it up, blokes. <laughs> he just gets a script and it's like, bloke, 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 bloke. Aussie yeah, bloke, about bloke, bloke, bloke. And how blokey is this bloke? <laughs> Do you reckon the Panthers young guys are blokey enough? Have they been blokes? Maybe that's the problem. There's that possibility. Mm. What if he started doing like uh like outrageous like voiceovers for the pregame things? <laughs> and it's about the Panthers. He's like, have a look at this cocky bastard. <laughs> look at this smug prick. Yeah. <laughs> have a look at this arrogant piece of shit. <laughs> Oh, have a look at this fucking smart ass. It's enough to make you fucking sick. 
And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, they stole the Viking clap. What a bunch of blokes. (laughs) A bunch of bastard blokes. (laughs) That'd be brilliant. That should actually be the next promo for the next Panthers versus Raiders game. Yeah. What's true? I have to try and remember to go back to this now and get it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I think it, it's great that uh, Penrith owns the clap. Yeah, they've got the clap. That's Ooh, where it belongs. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. So, uh, We've got some emails, I believe. We do. We've got heaps of emails. Now, I'm going to read the ones that come through our website tonight because my email has been a little bit slow. So we want to get through all of this. Okay. So the first one is from Simon. Now, these are some of these are a little bit, you know, a week ago or whatever. So we'll go through them. I haven't pre-read any of them either. So here we go. This first one is from Simon. He says, hey, boys, which players that played before your time do you wish you would have been able to watch play live? For me, it would obviously be Clive Churchill. And as a passionate Jets fan, it, Jets fan, it would be Bumper Farrell. Okay, should I go first? Given I'll probably give the most nerdiest answers. Yeah, go for it. All right. Um, I've got a bunch that have played for Australia, I suppose, in the, the early days. But mm-hmm. Daly Messenger, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris McKivitt would have been great to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else was there? Sek Blinkhorn, Harold Horder, Frank Burge, uh, Jimmy Craig, Dave Brown, uh, Duncan Thompson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Then we get into the 50s, I'd be looking at Puig or Burr from France. Yep. Definitely. Um, actually, there's a, there's a bunch of French players too. Uh, I can't remember more off the top of my head, but there's a, a fair few of them. Um, they, that is centre as well. God, yeah, I was thinking you know. they had a really good centre. And didn't he's like, his son end up being, I think he ended up being a, a pretty big dude in, if it wasn't French Rugby League, it might have been French Rugby Union. Yeah, it could have been. Um, oh, I can't remember his fucking name now. But yeah, there was, there was a few there. Um, and Billy Boston from England mm-hmm. would have been good to see him play. Um, yeah, they'd be the ones I could think of. Bob Fulton would have been good to see him, and and Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of these, and I suppose Arthur Beats as well. These guys were all ahead of their time with the way they played the game, yeah. um, and the new skill sets they brought to the game. Uh, that would have been fantastic to watch as well. So that would be it for me. I'd like to see Tom Trebojevic play. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, before, I think, before, before. Okay. Uh, Not jury. I I think my number one would be Clive Churchill as well. I think it would be him, Daly Messenger. Um, Frank Burge, he, he would be another one that stood out for me. Uh, Reg Gaznier, um, he's another one. Uh, Chuck Raper. He's another one that would stand out for me that I'd love to see. Um, yeah, and, and there was a lot there that you named as well that I think it would be really cool to have seen play. But they're the ones that jump out at me immediately. Um, you know, I, I think between the ones you named and the ones I named, that probably 
covers most of them. Yeah, there's. I mean, I've had a bit more time to prepare. I'd probably come up with about another three hundred more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, for number one for me would definitely be Clive Churchill. Um, it would be real for me. It would be interesting to see how he played defence and if it was very different from the way that a current uh, fullback plays defence and just how he was getting himself into the attack and then just seeing how, you know, I mean, everything I've ever read about him, he he was just a force of nature. So it would be really interesting to to watch him play. From the little I've seen and read um, about his playing style, he, he did appear to be one of the first fullbacks to... Um, chime into the back line mm. as a second five eighth. Yeah, I think and, that he. I think he would watch the modern day game, and he he would be like, "Well, this is my game." Yeah, um, that's why I think you find he gets. Comp- he's had Billy Slater compared to him an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Billy Slater wasn't someone who was a ball player. He's someone who would find a spot in the back line out on the edge and he could either score himself, not the Churchill score many tries. He was more about setting others, tries up for others. Um, but he's able to actually create those opportunities out wide for others. Yeah. But he's also, you know, more so than what Slater was, probably a bit more like Lockyer, very clutch. Yeah, like it, at an, an extreme level to where... Yeah. Even opposition players were like, man, this this guy is unbelievable. Yeah, just you could just go, you know what, we need something to happen. Give it to Clive. Yeah, and that to me would be the really interesting part of watching him play. Like when it when a game got on the line, and you would see, it, you've seen it with the greats, like Andrew Johns would step up, Brad Fittler would step up. I think Lockyer is probably the best I've seen in terms of the games on the line. You know, you need something, and Lockie would do something. Um, I, it would be interesting to see him. The other thing about him was he was like a, an, a tremendous leader, like one of the great leaders mm. of players in the game's entire history. And I think that it would be interesting to see that come through on the field as well. So, uh, yeah, he'd be my number one. That's good, Emma. Yeah, it was. Thanks for that, Simon. Uh, the next one is from Chris. He says, hi, guys, with all the chatter about the new Brisbane team, I wanted to know your thoughts on the team's geographic name. The idea of calling them Western Brisbane or North Brisbane or whatever, it may be so uninteresting, it, or whatever it may, it may be, is so uninteresting to me and reminds me immediately of the Broncos. I feel the team has to have its own geographic identity. So do you blokes think, blokes, do you blokes think they should be called their local name, like Ipswich or Redcliffe, etc., or do you think calling them some variation of Brisbane is not going to just remind people of the Broncos who have had 30 years to establish their brand? Cheers. Okay, well, two things. I don't think they should have the word Brisbane in their name. Okay. And I don't think they should be given a completely wanky jerk-off name like the GWS Giants in the AFL. Ugh. Because that's worst. That's horrible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, something a bit more geographical would be good. Um, it just depends on where they're based. See, I, look, this team's obviously not for us, right? And I, I, I think we've always felt like you've got to leave it to the people of Brisbane for what they want. Yeah. 
from from a Sydney point of view, um, I've got no problems if they're called Brisbane, like if they're called Brisbane something, as well as the Broncos. I think that if they can establish a a brand that is very different from the Broncos, um, they have a very different culture from the Broncos. I think they'd be fine calling themselves Brisbane X Y Z, whatever it ends up being. I think though, if they've got the the, the actual name Brisbane attached to them, it will automatically draw comparisons with the Broncos. Where I think if you give them a different geographical name, be it Ipswich or um, you know, Sunshine Coast or something like that, um, you can immediately immediately start a rivalry between the two regions um, that people are going to get invested in. But when it's just Brisbane and Brisbane and people go, eh, it's just two teams that make up the same area, you know. But if you make it, you know what I mean? If you've got it as genuine regions, yeah, you can actually have parts of Brisbane hating one another. See, I, if, I, if I ran this second Brisbane team and they were called Brisbane whatever's, right, and somebody said, what about the the Broncos and the comparisons? I'd say, what are you comparing us to a team that hasn't won anything since 2006? Like, have you seen how many wooden spoons they've picked up? We've got none. I know. But at the same That's, time, same time, you know, we've only got one team in Sydney called Sydney. True. And, like, it's the least Sydney team of all Sydney teams. But I think I, I think Sydney's a, a little bit of a unique situation because there are so many teams, you know. True, true. But I think um, it works as well having just one team called Sydney. We had, for a brief period in the in the early 90s, several teams called Sydney, and that was a shit show. That was terrible, yeah. But yeah. I, see, I think that the, the Roosters should be called the Bondi Rugby League Club. I think you just call them, you know, Uncle Nick's second-hand car yard. Uncle Nick's. That'll work. <laughs> I just call them a bunch of fucking... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on to the next one. Something happened to the recording there. <laughs> Andrew, the next I'm trying to think of how you said it. Marzalay, you said, didn't you? Yeah. Mar- I'm going I'm to think of a new one now. Marzalek. There we go. I, I, I would say it's Marzalek. Oh, we know what it is, but we, we'll just keep saying it differently. Because it sounds like we've got more listeners this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's like there's six of you. Anyway, Andrew says, Guys, just listening to the latest podcast, if you make a Mad Quokkas jersey or other Mad Quokkas merch, such as hats, count me in. Of the current NRL grounds, which would be the best home for the Mad Quokkas? Andy. Ooh. Oh, it's got to be something brutal. Um, something kind of rotten yeah tell you what there was a there's a pretty rough cricket ground i played at in tuma yeah yeah had a big concrete pitch in the middle as well and it wasn't quite wasn't quite the right shape yeah I reckon if you put a pair of goalposts on that thing there's a pretty rock hard venue and had a had a bit of a hill on one side yeah a bit of local knowledge you could do some real injuries to people on that that's on beach. <laughs> I remember I remember playing touch football for my high school and I, I was a winger. So de- down I remember playing and down the, the wing on one side of the field, and it was my side of the field, was 
where the cricket pitch was, but the cricket pitch had been taken out and they just filled it with sand. And so, like, <laughs> there's this big portion of my sideline is just a big fucking sand pit, basically. So hang on, hang on. Let me just let me just interrupt for a sec. Does that mean that for a small section of your career as a winger, you had to be a beach sprinter? I did, I did. Ah. And you know what? I scored a try. I think I actually scored two tries uh, uh, while it was sandy like that in that game. I can't game. believe I've got a podcast with Damian Cook, a beach sprinter man. But you know the thing was, I, I get into the sandy part and I smoked my opposite. <laughs> They just were. They were. They were like they were running in sand. It was great. But um, what about Whalen Reserve? Uh, so you got. They're pretty good. You know, the thing is, they're pretty good. They're pretty good grounds at Whalen Reserve, and there's a lot to choose from. Yeah, we. I think we. What we need to have is something that's brutal for players to go to. So when they know when they get tackled on it, they're going to get injured in some way. Yeah, that's what the Quackers are about: is violence. Pretty much uh, violence and making everyone uncomfortable. Yeah. So you see that you've got an away match at the Mad Quackers and you go, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> That's yeah. what you want. You want people to be fearing you before they even see you. Like everything, they, they hate the team, they hate the ground. Just everything about it is just a bad dream. You don't want to be a part of it. That, that's what the, the Mad Quackers are about. They hate the supporters, they hate the mascot. Yeah, everything. You you just come back from it and you just you know, part of your soul's been destroyed. You'll never get it back. That's I feel what like Quackers are all about. I feel like there would it, within three weeks the Mad Quackers mascot would be in the news and it'd be it, like the line um, performed a simulated sex act on a would be part of what they were talking about the Mac, the Quackers mascot. Or just you know. NRL mascot punches the opposition fan. Yeah. That's kind of NRL, what he's doing. He's just walking around. Instead of, instead of doing photos and selfies with each one, he just goes around and just starts punching opposition fans in the face and then takes a selfie with them. Just punch like proper, just bang. Yeah. Well, he's, not, he's doing a bare knuckle too. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the fairy gloves on. He just goes out, just bare knuckle, smack, <laughs> selfie. <laughs> the next one, bang, selfie. So angry. Yeah. That'd be the way to do it. <laughs> that went south quickly. Um, okay. <laughs> so the next one is from Lambretta, one of our, our wonderful listeners and a wonderful follower of ours on Twitter too. Yeah. Um, well. Yes. He says, firstly, when discussing rugby league immortal forwards, a certain Arthur Beetson springs to mind. That mm-hmm. aside, what are your thoughts on the season so far? I have really enjoyed some of the clashes, but Twitter seems to focus more on how lopsided the top versus bottom team clashes have been. Are the games more enjoyable, or is this just whinging by Broncos fans who aren't used to watching utter garbage on a regular basis? Um, no, nah, it is something that's becoming more and more pronounced as the season's gone on. Yeah. Um, I did a bit of an analysis the other day, which I put up on Twitter, and I showed... You know, comparing the first five rounds this year with the first five rounds of every year going back to 1998. Mm-hmm. And right now we have the biggest gap in margin since 2005. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, so when I say that, I'm saying there's more 13 plus margins right now 
than there has been for the entire NRL era, except for 2005, and it's only just behind it. And that was the, the yeah, that's the biggest gap we've got at the moment. It's quite significant too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's been trending upward pretty fiercely for the last three years. Um, so things are going in the wrong direction. When when we had that big year in 2005 where there was just hidings every week, the rules got tweaked at the end of the year and it immediately changed things. It stopped that trend going upwards and it, st- it started to make the games closer. Yeah. It took a while for it to set in and, and teams to work around it. But once it did, the margins quickly started to come down from 2015 to 2018, I think it was. It came down really quickly. And then all of a sudden we had little bits of rules change and then a whole heap um, after round, was it round three or four last year? Um, and the margins have just been getting further and further apart since. So it is noticeable. Um, also noticed too that this is the first time since, 19, well, the only time since 1995 that we've got four teams at the moment that have got minus 100 points in the points differential after just five games. Yeah. Minus, no, minus 150, sorry. Jeez. Yeah. Holy crap. There's only been 46 occasions where that's happened since 1908. Mm. Four of them are this year. Yeah, and, like, we've seen, I mean, how many games have we seen that are really properly close? Like, it'd be less than, be less than a whole round's worth of games, less than eight. It's got to yeah. be, like, about five or so. And, you know, when does it become... You know, I can appreciate rugby league when a game isn't close, but a lot of people want to see close games, and I get that. And, you know, as it stands right now, like, most of the games are proper blowouts. It's it's a real concern. And, look, this is the cause and effect from all the rule changes. It was always going to happen. And I wonder how they... Look, they're going to try and fix it, and instead of saying, well, we stuffed up and went go back on the rules, they'll come up with some other bullshit. Yeah. So, so far this year, we've had eight games that have had a margin of six points or less. There you go. Yep. None in round one, none in round four. Jeez. That's, uh, that's not good. That's not good for the competition. No, not at all. Um... So that's that's where we're at. So, yeah, it is becoming an issue. And so when you get an issue like that, it also means that the the teams that are poor fall f- even further behind, which mm-hmm. makes it even harder for them to catch up. Yeah. And you can't have, you know, a good competition is one where there's uncertainty about the result in every single game. And we were yeah. getting there around 2018. That was pretty incredible for that sort of aspect. Mm-hmm. In the space of two and a half seasons, we've completely destroyed that and removed it. Yeah, and like for a team to like Penrith, you look at how many games they've won. Even when you throw in the grand final that they lost, you know it, it's they're an anomaly. Even when you look at the whole history of the game, you know teams have won that many games, you know in a row. But it's it's strange that it has happened kind of out of nowhere. And it looks like it's not going to stop anytime soon as well, which is kind of weird. And, you know, you couple that with the big score lines between teams. That, you know, if we get to the end of this year and it's just continued on, these these uncompetitive games, 
they're going to have to look at going back to the older rules that worked. And I don't think they will. I think egos will get in the way and they'll come up with some bullshit ruling that, I don't know, the, the, I wouldn't be shocked if they did the thing where they had bonus points all of a sudden in the competition where if you lose by less than six points, you get a competition point, which is gross and I hate. But yep. I, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they did something like that. Or you get, you know, they'll do a rugby union thing and you get points for scoring a certain number of tries. You get yeah. bonus points for that. Yeah. Um, that's just stupid. We can't yep. be going to that. Um, I don't think the changes, the, you know, they will, they might change the rules and roll them back. And I think that will only happen once PVL leaves. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm. Um, next one is from Liam. He says, hi guys, your boy here with another stats question. Have we ever had a season where only four rounds in, we have three teams with one, minus 100 points difference. So you just kind of answered that a little bit. Yeah, it's never happened before. So this is the first time it's ever happened. And he says, what do you make of the blowout scores we've been seeing this year? Um, is it down to the new... We almost answered this one. Is it almost. down to the new rule changes or poorly managed teams just finally being exposed for how bad they've left the club in? Um, I'm still not sure how to feel on the new rules. It seems like Volandi's made the game speed up because in his simple mind, it goes more fatigue equals more points equals more entertaining matches. Like he thought that close defensive games that ended in 14-10 would suddenly turn into 36-26 shootouts. It makes a really good point there. But he didn't even consider that maybe, just maybe, the extra points would actually go to one side and end up with 44-8 to blowouts. It just seems it backfired and made games less entertaining because the result is usually a foregone conclusion before halftime. Do you think they will backpedal on the rules this year because of the uncompetitive games or increased in, r injury risk to players? Or will they just keep it until journos start complaining? Sorry for the long question, but you guys are the best rugby league podcast. Thank you so much. And I, and I like to hear your guys' take on my sport. Thanks for the content, guys, and hope you had a great Easter weekend. Thank you so much, Liam. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, I think... You've hit the nail on the head as far as the way PVL thinks, and that is, you know, he thinks that more points equals more entertainment. The mm. problem with that is, and it's basic economics, if you have, if you take something and have, you know, make a lot more of it, you know, so, you know, you've got money and you start printing off a shitload more of it, you decrease the value of it. Mm -hmm. And so if tries are very exciting to see because of how hard it is to get them, that's what soccer uses. You know, people get so excited when a team scores a goal because you don't see many of them. Yeah. If you immediately allow shitloads of them in a game, they become less exciting to see because you know you're going to see more of them, so you get less excited about it. Therefore, the entertainment factor is diminished. That's simple economics. Yeah. So if he was smart, which we've seen now that that's debatable, um, he, should have tried, he shouldn't have tried to ruin that contest. The reason why we're starting to see a lot more points is because the rules now allow teams to maintain possession for longer periods of time. He doesn't realise it, but he's he's added a little bit of rugby unionism to the game, whereas in rugby union you get to keep possession for as long as you want. It's not quite to that level here, obviously, in rugby league, but the, the set restarts rule mm -hmm. allows teams to build momentum, hold field position, We've seen it with a few games the Sharks have played this year where, you know, 
they they may have lost the game, but they were hammered and stuck in their own half for almost an entire half of a match. Yeah. It's because the team they're up against knew that they needed to keep them on the back foot because the Sharks can score points pretty quickly. And so the only way you can stop that is by keeping them way down the other end of the field. And so they weren't trying to score points against them half the time. They were just trying to maintain field position and possession of the ball, which is a lot easier to do now than what it was um, prior to all the rule changes coming in. As for the thing about the game being faster, I seriously doubt that. I think what it is is busier, and I think there's a very clear difference between busy and fast. I don't think it's any faster. I think there's just players doing a lot more stuff, but they're not actually doing anything faster, and that's what's leading to the fatigue. And the other thing, too, is, like, if you just had the the set restarts uh, by themselves, it, it would be bad enough. But then you think, well, how, if you get on the bad end of that, how do you change, possibly change the momentum of the game? You kick long and you kick for touch when you get the ball. Well, now when you do that, they can tap it. Yep. And it takes away the scrum, takes away the game being slowed down. And so they really have basically picked the perfect storm of how to, you know, just lose the momentum and never be able to get it back. So I, I, I think that, in an ideal world, we would go, we would backpedal some of these rules, um, but I don't think they're going to. I, I think that they're going to say, no, we're right, and the people actually love blowout games. We've done our research, and, and, and I don't think they're going to change it anytime soon. No, the, the only rules they really need to overhaul is the set restarts and the, the scaling back of scrums. They yeah. need to bring both back. They need to bring back, given, given penalties, they need to bring back the scrums because it allows both sides to get a rest on the field. And that rest can can be helpful, I think, in reducing some of the injuries that we're getting. Yeah. And that's got to be a good thing. Yeah. At the moment, a lot of um, a lot of tired players, it's just going to lead to, essentially, a lot more scrappy football. And we've seen quite a few games this year where around the one-hour mark, both sides are just, they're just playing dog's breakfast footy. It's just, drop ball, forward pass, drop ball, and just dumb shit. Mm-hmm. And it's not until the, the fresh reserves come on for the last 10, 15 minutes that it's the, you know, the game starts to clean up a little bit. But you know, a lot of times it's a foregone conclusion by then, and the team that's in the ascendancy just keeps piling on more points. Yeah. So it's, uh... too many games are starting to look the same, and I don't see how that's good. They, exactly. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. And, you know, the other the other rule change, I bet they bring in at the end of the year more interchanges. And I wouldn't be shocked if they start just whispers of, like, maybe we should go back to unlimited interchange. Yeah, well, they've, they've brought in the 18th man now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think I may have said it in the previous episode. I wouldn't be surprised if they start fiddling around with the interchange numbers. Yep. And I think, oh, if we have more interchange and we'll get rid of the fatigue factor and it might help teams defend better. And then there'll be another <clears> bunch <throat> of issues to come from that. All these changes just didn't need to happen. We had the game in a perfect position in 2018. Didn't need to be mended, meddled with in any way whatsoever. No. And yet, here we are. It's terrible. Um, okay, next email. We've got three more emails. Uh, this one's from David. He says... Hi, Mr. Fergo and Mr. Freak. I enjoy Hello. listening to the pod, and I thought it would. And I thought I would send you a harebrained idea I have had 
about the salary cap and expansion to you in case it was worth discussing. Basically, my idea is that if you have a if you have a team that can develop grassroots systems in traditionally non-rugby league areas, they should be able to offset that investment amount away from their salary cap. Make it in the club's best interest to spread the game. And he says this would obviously be audited to ensure clubs aren't running a million dollar under six competition. Uh, any talent that comes out of these systems could also be exempt partially or fully from the salary cap. Just an idea. I know it's a little bit left of centre and I'm sure there are many reasons why it can't be done. Hopefully it might spark some interesting conversation. Cheers, David. Thank you for that, David. I got one question about that. Mm-hmm. Let's say, let's say Tamworth. Okay, just for yeah. argument's sake, just a yeah. place I pull out of nowhere. Okay, yeah. is one of these places regarded as um, an area that's not a rugby league area? Yes. Okay, and so we start getting players from Tamworth. Yeah. How many players, and for how long, do we take players from Tamworth before we say, okay? That's now one of our areas, and that gets cut off from the exemption list. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, like, I like the way David's thinking. Like, Absolutely. If, Absolutely. If the, if the Melbourne Storm developed a Melbourne-based player right now, and it was like he was born in Melbourne, raised in Melbourne, went through the Melbourne rugby league system, uh, and he made their first-grade team, and the NRL said, well, he doesn't count towards their salary cap, I wouldn't complain. But if no. it if it was say the say the Panthers and you say, you know, I, fucking Bathurst is not their traditional area, but any player out of Bathurst doesn't count towards the cap for the Panthers, then that's stretching it a bit. It'd have to be. I think you could only do it for very specific teams, and I think that it would have to be. I, I think they would like if you brought in a Perth team, you could say all of Western Australia. If you brought in, you know, you, you might say the Cowboys could do it for, you know, the Northern Territory. You might say that, you know, the Storm can do it for Victoria. But it, I don't think you could say it for every team. Like I would say, a team like the Panthers, they shouldn't have any exemptions like that for an because their areas are very traditional rugby league well, areas. The Sydney club shouldn't. Except, except for the Roosters, because they don't have a population. True. And, you know, they need all the cap help they can get. Yeah, yeah, we feel sorry for the Roosters. Absolutely, absolutely. They had to borrow their logo. Jeez. <laughs> that's, how, that's how dire things are. The yeah, poor struggling just, Roosters. They, they see the French team playing and they're like, hey, that looks really, really good. Can we borrow it, please? We can't afford to make up our own. And can we have your colours as well? Thanks. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for that, France. <laughs> so yeah, there's I, I'm I'm very much open to any concept that's all about trying to expand the game to new areas. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's a concept that could definitely be worked with. Yeah. And like I, I think you and me both agree that teams that develop juniors they should get some sort of advantage out of that because yeah, if, right, it, like right now it's it's pretty crazy when you look at the way that some teams are that have stopped developing juniors and then other clubs are, are really carrying the bag for all, the entire game. Yeah. There is, there is some uh, 
dispensation or whatever it is, I think, or compensation, I guess, is what the word would be for clubs for developing juniors, but it is, it's not much. Yeah. Uh, we could be talking 50 grand. Yeah, it's it's very little. Off a, off a, cap, off a player's salary. You know, if that player's earning 900 grand a year, whoop-de-fucking-do, 50 grand. Yeah. You know, you're not getting a player for that. You need you need to have, what, three, three or four of those players to actually get anything of value out of it because then you'd be able to get a new young player on your books as well. Yeah, and even then, like, say you've got, say you're saving 400000 out of a $10 million cap, like it's it's still what are you going to get for that really? It really is just going to be squeezing a young player into your first grade squad. Mm. It's it's not much, but no, yeah, I I think that there maybe needs to be, um, they, it, there needs to at least be one or two, like a maybe a franchise tag or something where a clubs if they develop a local junior and they come through only their junior ranks and they come into the first grade team and they're there for X number of years, then you can say, well, this is one of our franchise players and maybe their their salary cap, what their salary costs under the salary cap is ta- is capped at 500000 or something like that. Like I, I, But there needs to definitely be some bigger incentive so that... And I think of somebody like... Um, like, say the North Queensland Cowboys develop a ridiculously good player through their North Queensland junior development system. They should never have to worry about losing that player. You know, that player should be at their club as long as they are willing to pay whatever it costs. And, you know, if if under their cap it only costs them $500,000 to keep a great, great player that they've developed, I've got no problems with that. Yeah. And who knows, might actually start forcing some of these clubs to, you know, set up proper junior pathways when they haven't. Yeah. Not yeah. looking at anyone in particular, West Tigers, but it's just, um, you know, that that's something that should be in place long ago. Yeah. You don't want to call Bulldogs out or anyone like that. No, no, no. You know, I wouldn't say the Roosters or anything like that either. No, it's just no. it's something that should have been in place for a lot of these clubs when they first came in in 1908. Exactly. Exactly. Or 1935. Right? I actually had <laughs> I actually had a really a couple of weeks ago there was a conversation because I said about the the salary cap and, and the club grant should be linked to your junior development when the next uh, collective bargaining agreement comes in and of course everyone thought it was about their club immediately and I had uh, a Roosters fan saying that they haven't got the advantages that Penrith had and I said well they they've been around since 1908. And the Panthers have been in the comp since 1967. Like, that's a pretty big advantage. And they ended up just, you know, writing the words um, uh, demographics to me. Like, oh, yeah, demographics. Oh, sorry, yes, that's right. <laughs> and the other thing was it was like, uh, oh, Penrith have this big area that was handed to them. It's like it wasn't handed to them. There was nothing here. They built it. <laughs> like, there was no rugby league here. They they literally built it for fucking decades. So so Penrith had Penrith handed to them. Yeah. <laughs> so as as weird. It just it's just a it's just a fluke that the whole Penrith region just happened to land in the area where the Penrith rugby league team is based. I know, right? Utter fluke. They they <laughs> there was nothing here. 
And I remember, I remember reading in the history books, Blackstone and Lawson and Wentworth started trudging towards the mountains. And then they got there as a shitload of rugby league being played. They're like, fuck, you know what? In about 150 years time, we'll give these cunts a footy team. Yeah. Yeah. But right now, no. Yeah. No. Fuck not yet. No. They're looking after the roosters then. Oh, by the way, wouldn't it be nice of an advantage to have fucking Dally Messenger dropped into your club day one? That'd be nice. Yeah, it wasn't enough to get in the title, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> okay, next one is from Joe Ash Reddy. I hope I've, I've said your first name right, Joe Ash. Um, can you think of anyone in the NRL who has a more disproportionately elongated neck than Sean Lane? Well, DC comes to mind. Yeah, DCE is right up there, like literally. Sean, Sean Lane is is very unique in that area, though. I'll give you that. He reminds me yeah. of that cricketer. What was his name? Was was it Matthew Elliott? No, 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 no. That cricketer? Is it Jordan someone? So he's English? No. <laughs> no, there's, a, there's an Australian cricketer. He plays a lot of T20 stuff, so I don't know his name, but he's got a rather long neck on him. Jordan Silk. I don't. I've got no idea who Jordan Silk is, hey. But you know, we've we've done one visual prog, prog, podcast already. Yeah. I, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll look it up on my phone, so I'm not using my. my... No, no, I'll look it up for you. Okay. This bloke's got a, a rather um, crazy neck on him. Silk S I L K. Yeah. Oh my god! What the fuck? <laughs> there's there's a great one of him doing a sweep shot. A sweep shot. Yeah. Let me see where one is. Man, that's crazy. Holy <laughs> crap. That doesn't even look real. Yeah. It's like his neck's got an erection. Yeah. <laughs> and what an erection. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That's, uh, he would have to wear, wouldn't he have to wear extra guards when he's batting? I don't know. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm, uh. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. Fuck. <laughs> that's incredible. I, I don't... I'm speechless. <laughs> there you go. That's the only one I know. But no, there's no one else in rugby league. Sean, yeah. Sean Lane's very unique in that area. Yeah. Damn. Okay. The, the <laughs> last email we have here is from Carsten Brummer. I believe, we, I believe we know him. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, uh, let's, right, let's break out the... Uh, do we need to bring out the history books? <laughs> he says... we got to get him back on, by the way. We Absolutely. had so much fun with Garson. It was, so, it was one of our funnest podcasts ever. It's, it's a shame no one can ever hear it. <laughs> um, he, he says, Hi, guys. First of all, I would like to thank the West Tigers for playing the Cowboys into form. You're Even welcome. if we... <laughs> Even if we lose the next game, it's one more win than Trent Barrett will get this year. <laughs> hey, just on that, just quickly. Mm-hmm. Right now, on the uh, the fifteenth of April, Trent Barrett nine hundred seventy eight days since his last win as a coach. It's getting there, almost yeah. a thousand. We're going to keep that count going. My next point is the management of the Tig Pies. I look at them and see they're managed like an average Super League side. Try to get so-called big-name players signings to sell memberships. 
have no long-term strategy and prefer buying players instead of growing them. The downfall of most clubs, including my own, is the lack of money spend in administration. And he says, not just not the CEO. Um, how much do you spend your own? How much do you spend own on the scouting department? And what's your setup? Which pathways are in place for highly talented players? Are you scouting outside of your junior leagues? What is your long-term investment strategy off the field? What is your media media strategy outside of the mainstream media? And so on and so on. The bottom clubs in the NRL are still administered like the 1990s and the jerkalists like it. Cheers for a winner, Carsten. Yeah, I'd say... Would the West Tigers be like Salford or Huddersfield? Um, no, I can't say Huddersfield because Huddersfield actually have been in the top eight a few times. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I'd say Huddersfield are more successful than the West Tigers. I'd probably have to go with Salford. I was going to say Wakefield, hey? Ooh, that's not a bad one. Yeah, like I would probably say Wakefield. Yeah, let's go with Wakefield. Um, yeah, look. The West Tigers have a, as we discussed in the last episode, we won't go into it too much, but they've got a massive area. They should have at least one or two scouts just in the the MacArthur region alone. Yeah. And then you just need one person doing recruitment outside of that, which is not a hard job to do because you can do most of your recruitment just by watching the NRL every week. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... The, the club needs to change the way they're doing things. And as we said, a lot of it starts in the in the front office. Then it goes to the back office. Um, the last place they need to be looking right now is what's going on on the field because what's going on in the field is a result of what the the people running the club have created. And obviously they've been doing it for so long that they've created this fucking mess. And so they need to change the way they do things and they seem to not want to do that. And that's, you know, the old saying goes. You keep doing what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And, and it, I've always find it interesting when you see a club uh, fall apart. And my guess is what happens is on the field, they stop going all that well. They start making cuts in the football department. That ends up affecting their junior development. And that ends up affecting what they put on the field. And it's just this cycle that all of a sudden falls apart. Yeah, I think I'd call seen... it the cycle of stupidity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, you know, there must be the warning signs where when you're at a club when they start saying to the coach, like, oh, no, we got to cut back on, on what you're spending. And, you know, we've seen it at so many clubs and like the Tigers, the the Bulldogs are a really, really great example. The Manly Seagulls, obviously. Um, and it keeps on happening again and again. I find it very strange and... You know, it's cool that I've seen on Twitter the last week or so, there's a lot of people that keep saying, like, it is absolutely crazy that it's this point in the game's history and not spending heaps of money on junior development is, it's still an issue with some clubs. Like, what are they doing? It's so obvious that that's what works. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. The West Tigers are a mess. Yeah. No other club has been... So shit at rebuilding itself as the West Tigers ever. Like, how can you have a 10-year rebuild that 
has progressed absolutely nowhere the whole time. Like they are no closer to the end of their real rebuild now than when mm. they started it ten years ago. Oh, that reminds me of that thread you showed me. Um, but yes, somebody, I we were considering getting in contact with the dude and just doing a podcast where you read that thread out completely because that was amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, you say amazing, I say depressing. Oh, yeah, horrible and depressing. Yeah. It was a thread on Twitter where a Tigers fan basically went through everything that the club had done over the last, it was about 15 years now. Yeah, since 2005. Yeah, and just the, the moves they've made with coaches and players and administrators and... Shit that was said. Crazy, Shit that was yeah. Done. It, it was crazy. Like the, the contracts that were handed out, it was really bad reading. Yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of clubs forget about because they just go, oh, it's just the West Tigers and they just move on. They don't care about it. But when you look at it as a long list, you go, man, this Tigers side has been run badly for a long time. And you go, yeah. When we say cultural, you see where it comes from then. Yeah, and yeah. And when you talk culture, you it means that you're not talking about what's going on on the field anymore. This, as I said... We've changed the players around that many times. We've changed the coach around that many times, and the same shit keeps happening. So it's not the players or the coaches that's the issue entirely. It's something else. Mm-hmm. And yet that something else never gets changed. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I'm reading through that. Like The one that got me was um, when they signed Jamal Idris, who <laughs> had been just on you know, a sabbatical around the world for two years. At one point, he was kidnapped by... Was it Indonesians or uh, um, Vietnamese? I think wasn't it? Okay, yeah, and and that they, they signed him up to a contract, and he did his knee and never played again. And so many players who, like, it, it was like he played four games for the club, or he left the club at the end of the year and never played another game for anybody else. And just so many contracts like that, it was mm-hmm. bloody shocking. And a number of we've given out to rugby union players who never even made it into the NRL side. Yeah, yeah. We went on a run for about five or six years doing that. Okay, Crazy. we've got to give out one token um, contract to a rugby union player going, you've got a bunch of juniors that want to play for you. What are you giving it to a rugby union player from somewhere else for? Yeah. And they never played first grading. Well, what a waste of fucking time and money that was. That's what they do. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Anyway, that's all our emails. Fantastic. Yeah. We've got a couple more that are in my email account. I'll have to fire that up for the next episode and we'll get to them. Yeah, you've got to get on your, your bike to get the get the internet working. I've got to get the, the interns to start running in the hamster wheel because I'm off grid now. So I get the, the interns to run the hamster wheel. Keeps do, you have enough, lights on. do you know enough of them in there? or? Well, you know, two. That's do fine. Need, do you need another one? No, they're both still alive. I mean, oh, eventually okay. one of them will, you know, pass out. The other one takes over. You, you you'd know. think they'd learn when you wash them with the hose from a distance that they'd be smart enough to open their mouth and get a drink to, to keep surviving. Well, the, the way I look at it, like, as long as they put the lotion on the skin, uh, that's the main thing. That's a fair point. Yeah. We probably shouldn't be discussing this on air. No, no. This this is administration stuff. We should be dealing with this off air. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So it's been a good episode. We've covered many different subjects. 
We have indeed. Uh, it's it's been another long one, as they say in the classics. <sighs> that's right. That, that's all we do now. Yeah, we do. We don't do short episodes anymore. Nah. You, you oh. don't want it, so we're not going to do that. We're not going to waste your time with a with a half assed episode. We'll just waste all your time with a long one. <laughs> We've got to. That's what she said. We um we need to come up with a cool name for this episode, uh, and that's always fun. Yeah, the last we one was come, good. We come up with five or six names that can never be used, and then we go with one that is more suitable. It's always great. Yeah, sometimes it's the worst one. Yeah. Where can people find us, Andrew? They can find us. Uh, they can find you on Twitter, at League Freak. They can yep. find you, if you're not on Twitter, on your website, leaguefreak.com. Yes. And they can also find you ticking around with your tears on your Patreon at patreon.com slash leaguefreak, where yeah. if you go in there and you give this fella a little bit of coin, you might even get a bit of merch. Yeah, you sign up for the right merch levels and that. I've had a couple of different people sign up recently, so thanks very much for your support. It's always appreciated, and it, I've told you what it goes to. It goes to the website addresses and website costs and things like that, so it just all goes directly into that, um, and they do pile up um, eventually. So, um, yeah, thank you for the support, and while you're, while you're thinking about support, why don't you go to patreon.com forward slash r l project where you can support the digitization of rugby league history thanks to andrew ferguson that's what you do isn't it that sounds good and you can put in there anything you want you can make it a dollar a month if you want you can make it three million dollars a month i'll happily accept either do you those, take I, I was gonna say those are your two options yeah <laughs> yeah there's no in between <laughs> nah nah no in between um, I don't have any tears there, so it's purely just you do whatever you want. Um, I'm just grateful that if that it's fair, that you decide to part with some of your hard earned just to help help out our website, which is becoming more and more expensive to to run given the immense size of the database and the website itself. And hell, we're only yeah at, at an estimate we're probably about thirty percent complete. Wow. So, uh, we've got a lot more of data in the back end that we've got to digitise that we do have. But, you know, we plan to put in there, but it's just a lot of lot of work to get that digitised and put in there. We're yeah. working on it. Um, the goal is the end of the year, I hear. <laughs> so we what you, I can't we'll, tell you. <laughs> if we're we'll getting enough money on the, on the Patreon, yeah. uh, we would hire a few people to do that work for us. Yeah. And actually give them money that they could actually, you know, be worthwhile talking about, you know, not just some token bloody $50 a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's probably what we're going to be heading towards soon is needing to do that. So, um, yeah, we've got some big, big additions to come to the website sometime down the line. We need, we need to get, like, robots that can type and, and do that sort of stuff. That would be awesome. Yeah. Ones that don't track anything, they just yep. do typing. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So if you've got any robots that are dumb, but not too stupid to do data entry, get in touch. <laughs> yeah, we need robots that have good typing skills and soft hands. That's that's all we... That's I mean, is that too much to ask? I don't think it is. No. 
nah, that's that's all there is to it. Um, also, you can find us the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and MySpace. Uh, so check us out on there. If you know how to, uh, if you know how to use the MySpace website, let us know because. I've looked at it a few times thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll put some in here and I'll look at it and go, what the fuck do you do with this thing? That reminds me, Nadine wants to take over the uh, Instagram. She's welcome. Yeah, I was told her that. <laughs> she said, you two should let me run the Instagram. I said, just ask Andrew for the password. He'll give it to you. Yeah, all yours. I'll find it somewhere. I don't know where it is. I don't know what it is, but I'll find it. I'll change it so you can use it. It's all yours. <laughs> it doesn't get used anywhere near enough. That was easy. Um, Done. Yeah. That's, I think that's everything. Oh, and if you've, you've got any statistics, any rugby league statistics. Or stats requests. Yeah, yeah. You go to uh, it's this website. It's called rugbyleagueproject.org. The org stands for the orgasm you will have when you get all of those tasty stats. Um, go there and support it and put all of the links around all over the interwebs. Like if you've got a, if you've got a, player profile you want to show someone don't go to the nrl fucking nrl don't go to some stupid website go to rugby league project and say look at these statistics for this player it's a it's seriously i think it's the best rugby league website in the world it's definitely the biggest and the best i agree Mm. especially for one that's got no pictures on it it's fantastic yeah if you want rugby league pictures go to my website exactly not only will you get rugby league pictures you get rugby league lookalikes and yeah, they're so they're so good that other websites want them. They are. Sometimes they just take them. That's all right. <laughs> which, which you know, it's all right. Oh, the people are pretty good about that, actually. I, I got to say. Um, but yeah, check out both of our websites. They're our labors of love. They are. That's what we're here for, and that's what you're here for, I guess. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, I suppose that wraps up this episode. Yep. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch you all next time.